well, I think that's just part of having the specialized knowledge, right? If you're really valuable at something, then people will want you to be their CEO or their CFO or their doctor, et cetera. Part of that might be who you're going to to raise capital from. Maybe you're going to workshops like this to raise capital. The point of this workshop is to take 15 years of running all these events and give you guys a whole bunch of strategies in one day. The point isn't to pitch each other and try to find an investor here today. Uh, some people only come to our networks. They're like, want to go just to our quarterly investor summits and just want to go straight to an investor. And they want someone to give it to them on a silver platter and say, hey, line me up with these four investors. Um, but really, we want to teach you how to find four investors a week and, and close those, right? That's far more valuable than giving you four investors at one of our quarterly events. So honestly, the workshops are far more valuable than the investor summits in that way. But some people see it the reverse. So I would just say that maybe you're not pitching the right investors if they're turning around and wanting you to raise capital for them might be part of it, part of the equation, because a lot of investors don't have anything that they need to raise capital for. Um, and then in other cases, you might be able to say, yeah, well, you know, if you do a capital raise, I'm happy to give you feedback and strategies and pointers. So to stay connected with each other, why don't you just put in 75000 into my venture and maybe some small amount of money. They'll keep us connected and I'm happy to be a sounding board every quarter and give you feedback. You know, sometimes people who, um, like one of my friends had a big exit and he partially had the exit because we were their second investor. And then because of that, he invested some money, you know, uh, with us in a deal and other investors, they want my help building their family office out. I don't charge them anything. I just add value to them. And almost to stay connected, they'll throw money into a deal because they trust you or they trust me enough and they want to stay connected as part of just growing that relationship, just having them start out with a test investment and they tell a few of their friends and then they might invest. So I would, I would use that momentum, kind of like judo, I would use that momentum to actually get them to invest. So yeah, I can help you as kind of like an advisory board feedback. I'm not going to go and do your pushups for you. I have my own full-time job, right. you know, but I can be a resource to you for sure. I've learned a ton. I can save you a lot of time, tell you not who not to hire on retainer and blow money on someone who's not going to raise the capital for you, et cetera. So there's ways to use that, but it shouldn't be happening more than 20, 25% of the time at the very most. In my experience, it only happens five to 10% of the time. You pitch an investor and they say, oh, wait, well, can you raise capital for me? Otherwise, I think maybe I would guess that sometimes you're pitching people at a big real estate conference that has a lot of sponsors there and you're trying to sell them, they're trying to sell you. And then there's just a little bit of confusion going on. But there could be co-GP relationships between sponsors. That's what our whole event on June 6th is about, is somebody um, linking up with someone like a Darwin German or like some of our billion-dollar-plus groups have big balance sheets and they can't find enough deals to put the money into that fit their underwriting. And then partnering because you have the deal and they have the money could be a way to partner that way. You know, Great. So those are good examples. I'm glad we had some from a lot of different industries, different, different types of questions. And we'll try to get the mic to you each time a question comes up. Um, otherwise, I'll try to repeat it up here. All right. So uh, the next section of today is on your pitch materials. So this is called the Investment Pitch Prep Workshop. Lots of people are most worried about getting their pitch deck prepared and improved. Um, so I wouldn't say this is the most critical part of the day because the next section after this, which is going to be um, after lunch, is really on the marketing materials that will bring investors into your funnel in the first place. And no one's going to see any of your pitch materials if you don't have an investor to show it to. So while I want to give you what you probably came here intending to learn about um, first, uh, just in case a few people have to run for a flight later, um, Andres will be covering the marketing materials section uh, just after lunch. And then I'm going to be going after some uh, tactical execution strategies and online social media advertising strategies to get even more investors into the marketing funnel. 
And so this part is like, once you actually get face-to-face -face with them, you can pitch them. Here's materials for pitching them, building the marketing funnel pieces uh, for once you get someone into the funnel. Um, and then we'll, we'll show you how to get more people into that funnel. Okay, so there's 15 different parts to their pitch materials you can dial in, not just one part being the pitch deck. When you deal with smaller investors, they often won't require a due diligence questionnaire. They won't know what a data room is. They won't do a formal background check. They won't ask you 42 questions. They'll ask you seven questions and say, oh, what else should I be asking? You know, I'm not even sure, you know? Um, so that happens quite often. Uh, if you're raising institutional capital, then oftentimes you'd start, and in, gener in general, you'd show them a one pager first and then the pitch deck, then maybe have a phone call or a short coffee meeting where you go over the pitch deck. You don't expect someone to read your even 20 page pitch deck. Almost no one will, even your own team members, when you ask them to put a little word in there that makes no sense and see how many of them catch it. Even your own team members won't read every word of your pitch deck typically because it just takes detail oriented. They really have to care. And a busy investor, a high value investor is going to want you to walk them through it in person or on a phone call typically. Uh, sometimes there's a due diligence questionnaire, sometimes an on-site visit, a smaller investor, the more that some of these steps are, are skipped. If someone's investing $1,000 on a crowdfunding website, they might just hear about it from their friend and just invest $1,000 without reading the one paragraph. Uh, when you're investing $25,000, might just be based off a referral. They look at the one pager and say, I don't need to get on the phone with this guy. My friend did it. I'll put in the 25K. Um, when it gets larger to 75K, 100K, they start adding in steps or putting in half a million or a million then the structure matters more and the due diligence gets more robust, obviously. Um, we talked about uh, this example earlier, um, so I'm not going to go over this a lot, but Sarity Partners is the one that rebranded um, and then doubled their asset center management to over $20 billion in asset center management. Um, these, these are examples of some logos that we have helped with. Some of them wanted to keep their logo uh, when we worked with them. Some did not. Uh, this one down here, collateralized income investments. They had a name that was similar to like Wilson Capital in the past, and it just wasn't serving them. So we're not showing their one-liner here, but just for their logo, they basically uh, get equipment and they lease out equipment. And so they showed an equipment uh, piece there around as the logo. So it's functional. And then they said, our investors invest with us because there's collateral behind their investments. So they get a nice, you know, I don't know if it was a 9% or 10% return, but there's also collateral behind it. And they like the income component. They're getting a distribution every month. And so we named it Collateralized Income Investments with an image of the equipment around the name. So that's an example of doing something that is light years more functional than not having it in places uh, to make it more obvious. Um, the one-liner, uh, we talked about that. Lots of people have a paragraph or it's not very specific. Um, this graph, this is something that I found that is very basic to think about, but a lot of people don't. Uh, and it is that when a deal gets done, it's usually because uh, somebody trusts the leadership, which is usually the founder, they know the industry, or they trust the industry, and they're either local to the opportunity or understand the opportunity really well. So if somebody, this is why everyone raises capital from friends and family first, because they're so high on the leadership trust curve, they'll let us give you money, even if they don't have no idea what blockchain is or how a staffing company or a trucking company works, right? Um, if you are going to raise capital for the transportation industry, then going to people who made their money in transportation, you can skip the whole part where you try to explain how the industry is growing and how Amazon and one's warehouse is growing. You need more trucks and more transportation on the road, not less when people are buying you know, um, online. 
Um, and then opportunity, if you're raising capital, you're based here in the Dallas area and you're local to someone, you can show them your 40 trucks or have them meet your staff at the weekly staff meeting and sit in on a meeting and see that, then that makes a huge difference. Now it's real, it's tangible. They can see it's all true versus if something you might love self-storage, but if someone's raising capital for self-storage in Zimbabwe or Australia, you might be like, well, I don't know about that self-storage. Even if you like the founder and you knew the founder, you still might not do it. But if you love the founder and you love the industry, maybe you'd take a chance on it. You just might invest less if it's in some place a long ways away. The way to interpret this, though, is to always try to find investors local to you who can very easily see your assets and come visit you or walk through the company, walk through the manufacturing floor. If they can't or before they do in-person, make sure that you record a video walking through the manufacturing floor, record a video of your oil and gas device working, record a video inside of your dental clinics, et cetera. And then that makes it more real and tangible and believable. And so we can get more high conviction. It'd be pretty hard for you to fake. Oh, hey, here's my team member, Rosie, running the machine right now. Hey, Rosie, how long have you been with us? Like, why do you work here? Uh, and then go down the line and show the quality controls you do or walk through the real estate property and be like, hey, here's one we haven't fixed up yet. Here's a before picture. You see all this bad laminate and old appliances and horrible lighting and popcorn ceilings. And like, here's a renovated after unit. And this is what we did. And here's one that's right in the middle of construction. And just a little three to five minute video just to make it real, tangible, easy to understand. 